Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, welcome back. Tony Leroy here with you on 790 The Ticket. You want to stay tuned. We'll be giving away. We have two pairs of heat tickets uh, to the home opener tomorrow night. Wait, quick draw McGraw over there. You hear the song? Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, you also have a chance to win $1,000 in about 18 minutes. Take a break from the Heat, who had an awesome win yesterday. We'll go out to the Orion Downstairs Convenience Store's guest line that we'll find. Comedian Paul Mercurio is going to be at the Palm Beach Improv this weekend. Always enjoy having him on the show. Paul, thanks for joining us, man. Really appreciate hey. it. Hey, man. Thanks for having me back. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good. Really enjoying it, man. So I was just seeing that you had Stone Cold Steve Austin on your podcast, Two Chairs, One Microphone. Uh, yeah. How was that, man? I got to tell you, it's a two-parter. And I, uh, I'm i not a huge pro wrestling fan, but my podcast, I just I like to have people that, you know, just do all sorts of different things and learn about what they do. I've had him and Paul McCartney, you know, obviously talking about music. He's kind of a hack, but I had him. And, uh, <laughs> um you know, Brian Cranston, Stephen Colbert, like a lot of cool people. So I met Col- I, I did the interview with, um, with Stone Cold in a, in a hotel room in Los Angeles. And the first thought that came to my mind is, like, as he was coming up the elevator, I'm like, what if he goes into a roid rage and just, like, attacks, sexually attacks me? Like, I, got, I can't get out of this. I can't get away from this. Yeah, you're guy. done. You know? It's like, and he comes in the room, and, and then there are veins everywhere. Like, his veins had veins. There were, like, veins. <laughs> he had shorts on, and I remember looking down at his calves, and his calves had, like, veins the size of, like, giant spaghetti noodles. It was crazy. Jeez. So I think, okay, this is going to be, like, ten minutes, whatever. It was the most interesting interview because he gets you into, like, how he started, how wrestlers start, and it's a lot like comedians, like... They go from small town to small town. They're trying to find their character. They listen to the audience and the reaction. They go back. They rewrite some stuff. They work out in the gym, blah, blah, blah. And it's really, like, similar in how, like, he got fired by Bischoff, and he said that was the best thing that ever happened to him. And then he and, uh, and uh, Nash referred him to uh, uh, McMahon, and it was, it was great. And, I, and on top of it, we, we did end up spending a night together in bed. So it all worked out for everybody. <laughs> oh, it <laughs> seems... It seems it like you didn't have great. to worry about him uh, uh, you know, snapping on you. That's nice to see that it ended lovingly. Yeah, exactly. You know, we spooned. He's a big spooner. Not a lot of people know that about him. You'll learn that on the... Yeah, so it's a two-parter. There's one uh, we posted this week, and then this coming Monday. We post every Monday the next one. But really, like, for anybody who's into... Uh, I, I like it because if you're into wrestling, there'll be stuff there I think you don't know or didn't know. And if you're not into wrestling, you'll really, like, get your eyes open to, like, what it's really like to do what they do, which is pretty, it's a pretty incredible thing and not easy. So I, I really like it. Paul, I always wonder, because you started, you know, writing for other people first. Um, is it easier writing for somebody else or just, you know how you are, you know what your personality is, you know how you're going to deliver 
a joke. And, and just like, you know, the rest, uh, Steve Austin was talking about trying things out. When you write for somebody else, do you really have that opportunity to see how this joke is going to go or you just put it out there? No, no. That's... Not yet. Not yeah. yet. Yeah, you know, it's a really great question. I mean, I, I started out doing stand-up, and then I got hired on The Daily Show and wrote on that show and performed on that show for a lot of years. And, and now I work on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, but as a contributor, I do on-air stuff. But you're still, like, writing for a show, which is different than you. And your an- the answer is you have to write for the voice of that person. So, like, if Jon Stewart's not going I, to... I just, you just get to know, like this joke's not going to fit him or he's not going to want to do this, but I think this is a great joke and maybe I'll do it, right? And, like, so you kind of... And hopefully you're writing for somebody who shares your point of view and your sense of humor and stuff like that, and then, you know, it's it's not that hard, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you know, obviously it's a big political season, there's drug jokes about Trump, there's joke, jokes about Hillary and all that stuff, and, like, and, you know, like, I, I had a joke that I... That I I'm doing for myself, like, about just the thing with Trump being, like, and I don't care if people vote for Trump or not or whatever, but it's like, hey, just try to know a little something about the job before you want the job. You know what I mean? That's not asking a lot, but he just he gets, he gets really defiant. Like, it's like a doctor in, a, in, a, in an emergency room, and they wheel you in, and he's, like, standing over you going, what's all that red stuff in the body? That's blood. Well, what is that? What's that thing that's moving? That's the heart. What does the heart do? Well, it... Doctor, don't you think your fact you're a doctor, you should know that? Why are you attacking me? Are you the liberal media? Like, so it's like, <laughs> it's just this insanity. So you can come up with stuff that you know works for you, then you keep it for you, stuff for the show or somebody else. But it's always, at the end of the day, more fun to write for yourself, you know, because you're saying it, you're doing it, you know what I mean? Do you, so do you get worried about that, like, in a, in a political season? Like, I just saw, like, a week ago, it was two weeks ago, where, like, Amy Schumer had 200 people walk out because of... Yeah of Trump stuff. Like, do you worry about that when you're going into it? Cause you know, this is a time where everybody's going to be divided and people no, are going to be, or you, after, or you just want to go, go for the more, laughs. No, I go after more of the system in both of them. Like Hillary, I mean, she's a mess, like the emails and everything else. And I always say like, I don't want a 69 year old person doing emails period. Like for all I know, she's giving out the treasury department's routing number to a Nigerian <laughs> prince every day. You know what I mean? Oh, this seems like a nice man. Let's send him some money. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, um, I don't do a lot in my act. Um, I do it more because I go like on a lot of the, like CNN, MSNBC. I was just on CNN, MSNBC, and stuff. I do it more as like a commentator on Fox News and stuff. Uh, so I'm not really divisive in my act. It's, my act is just more, you know, just you know, kind of slice of life. Like like it's Halloween, right? And mm-hmm. I, there's always something in my life that I think is you know good to talk about or funny. So like Halloween reminds me like when I was a kid, and this is true. Like every Halloween. My parents would dress me as a hobo, right? Because they were too busy working and they had, didn't have a lot of money, so they just didn't want to buy a costume, so they tore all the clothes on me. And then I started thinking about today and how politically correct we are. You could never do that today. It's completely politically incorrect. Because think about it. A hobo is a homeless person. My parents dressed me as a homeless person and sent me out onto the streets at night to collect free food in front of real homeless people, right? <laughs> Sorry, real homeless guy. You shouldn't have grown up. You know, like, what? It stunk. Every every house I went to, I didn't get candy. I got baked beans and a harmonica. That was it. Like, it was the worst, right? So there's always something that, like, I like to tap into. Or, you know, I was a lawyer before I did this and quit to be a comic and stuff. I talk about that and being married, having a kid and all that stuff, you know? 
uh, it, so it's fun. You know, it's fun to kind of dabble in a lot of different stuff, you know. Well, you guys want to check him out. Paul McCurry is going to be at the Palm Beach Improv this weekend. I love going to City Place. That place is a great place to go to. You guys can yeah. check him out there. Uh, Palm Beach, like, is this, uh, you go down to South Florida, like, you've traveled all, all, all over being a comic. What, uh, what, are the, uh, what are the funniest things that stand out to you about South Florida? Um, well, I got to tell you, when I go down there and it's warm, the amount of uh, minimal, like, uh, clothing on the body, especially the women, or like a guy in a thong on a beach is just still like, whoa, that's like, <laughs> it's like I can't, you're going to need a search and rescue team to get that string out of that guy's butt, you know what I mean? Like, that's just, it's... Uh, but I always, it's a really nice venue. It's like 600 seats. And I love coming down because, like, there's a lot of different people that are, like, come out and stuff like that. And, and I could talk about anything. I mean, I'm, I've been fixated on the, this World Series because they got to those two teams. I'm a Red Sox fan. I grew up in New England. And those two teams have, like, seven or eight. They have, they have a former man. They have a manager. They have a GM. They've got Miller. They've got Napoli. They've got Ross. Did you see Paul, did you see? Uh, did you see Lester like being all shook uh, in Game oh One, not throwing God. the first base? What is going on? I saw this stat in the last two years: seventy-two bases and ninety-five attempts have been stolen on him. And this year, he gave up twenty-eight steals. Like he cannot throw the first base. He's getting paid one hundred and fifty-five million dollars. Stevie Wonder has a better pickoff move. What is going on? Like. It's ridiculous. He said, he actually said, I'm not making this up, he goes, I don't feel comfortable fielding a baseball. You're a baseball player. <laughs> That's like Michael Phelps going, ooh, ooh, the whole water thing. I don't like being wet. What are you talking about? You know when he throws, you don't hear it because the mics aren't loud enough? This is what he sounds like when he throws the first. Eh! Eh! <laughs> It's like, it's like, did you ever see him throw the ball into the ground? It's like he's mad at the ground. Like, bad ground. It's, it's like someone just sewn a new arm onto his body, and he's figuring out how to work it. This guy makes Chuck Knobloch look like Baltimore third baseman Manny Machado. It is ridiculous. It's, it's like, and, and then there's some guy who's a plumber who can barely scrape two nickels together. This guy says, I'm not comfortable throwing the first. And then look at, look at what we did at the Red Sox. We... All, I just named 10 major components to any team. Your pitcher, Lester, Ross, Theo Epstein, Francona, who my, who my, uh, my father's best friend calls Nibbles. He calls him Nibbles because he's always chewing on the sunflowers. We gave away all of these star players. We gave away players like Donald Trump gives away other people's money. It is insanity. So I just, you know. But, you know, I'm a long-suffering Red Sox fan. What are you going to do? Long and suffering? suffering. Get on! Long and suffering. Well, no, but, you know, I know up until, like, ten years ago, but it was rough. Like, we were still like that. We were in the dog. All right, that's not so bad now. Patriots. It's tough being a Patriots fan. No, it's just, (laughs) you know what I like? I love being a Patriots fan. I live in New York City. It's, like, so awesome. And you see these Jets fans, and it's like, oh. And the the Patriots, we're going to play. Uh, the Jets in like a month, and uh, and the month the game's like a month out, and Ryan Fitzpatrick's already thrown four interceptions. It's <laughs> like it's, it's like, but like the Jets are the only team where you have to convince a scalper to buy your ticket. It's just like nobody. They're they're like the bastard stepchild of the city. It's Paul, so funny. Paul, I got one better for you. Mm-hmm. you. You like your coach, right? You know, here's what I I like him as a coach. I don't like him as a GM because I think his ego gets in his way, and he goes, "I don't need a star player." And then he trades away. And Darrell Rivas is the best example. And uh, he he trades away. And uh, 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 Talib is another one. He trades away really really good players because he thinks I can get just some schlub off the street and make him great. And then we suffer. And 
I feel like suffer. You know, well, but, but we had a couple of years. Where if he didn't give away, he's just he. If we didn't give away some of those guys, we probably would have won a couple, at least one more championship. And I just, and not, I mean, look, we're doing well, but like, there's no guarantees. But the fa- but there are fans up there that are like, they whatever he says, like, oh, they have complete faith, like. If Belichick, should, like if Belichick showed up at their house, right, saying, hey, uh, kill my family, uh, you've got to go kill your family, and Belichick told them their first thought would be, well, there's probably a strategy here. I'm going to go kill my family. Like, that's like, uh, so that's the part I don't like about him, but I think he's a great tactician, you know? Well, to get, make a long story short, he was my coach in Cleveland. Oh, so he was? You have you have your little woes about, how, how do you think I feel? I play for Cleveland. Oh, man, if I had known that, I would never have even talked about this. Sorry, man. <laughs> I'm depressed just talking to you right now. <laughs> what, how, how many years did you play with him? Four. I mean, wow. Belichick was my coach for four years, and they ran him out of Cleveland. Oh, my God. Well, I love him. I like a coach that frowns during orgasm. I mean, come on. <laughs> is that guy ever happy? I hear he's a different personality, though. Like, he's a yes. really, like, funny, kind of outgoing guy, like, when the camera's on. Well, right? one of his good friends is Bon Jovi. That try to figure that one out. Yeah. Are you serious? Yes. He used to come practice all the time. I can't. I could see him in a hotel room with Bon Jovi with like blowing hookers. Woo! <laughs> hey, this is awesome. Yeah. Uh, take it off. You're gonna take it off, and then it's on <laughs> to the next stripper, Tiffany, and then it's on to the next stripper, Diamond. <laughs> uh, Paul, hey, was he nice to you? Was he cool to you? Yeah. No, he's cool. I mean, the players like him. The players I, like him. And I hear it like if you're in his doghouse, though it's not good. Like you, you, he's he's the boss, and no one crosses that line. Uh, yeah, that would be an accurate assessment. <laughs> uh, Paul, where can people find you on uh, on social media, man? Before uh, we let uh, you go, at Paul Mercurio, uh, M E C U R I O, one R, not two. There's another Paul Mercurio who is Australian actor in Strictly Ballroom. Yeah, that's why our and- producer played Australian music for you coming in. By the way. <laughs> I didn't want to throw him under the bus, but. <laughs> But I wanted to punch him in the face after he played it, so just want to let you know. Catch Paul at the uh, Palm Beach Improv on the uh, this weekend. It's a great place, yeah. city place. It sounds like we a great show, man. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, and one Sunday. So hope you all come out. It's a great venue, and uh, always have fun down there. So appreciate it, and uh, go Patriots. And uh, Dolphins, your Dolphins are coming around. You'll get them, right? Yeah, kind of. It's, like, <laughs> it's like you don't uh, want to get too right, excited. Thanks. You know how it is, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. It's great being on with you guys. Again. All right, Paul. Paul Mercurio there, man. Check him out. Poppy Jim Prov this weekend. Uh, that was fun, man. Really enjoyed yeah. it. Robbie, sorry. Wow. Let me guess. He wasn't on the other line when you uh, when you said goodbye. He wasn't there, was he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.